He was so worried that she would feel differently about him. And she didn't at all. We kept saying, you know, you're not giving Nana enough credit. She said, you need to be you. You need to be happy in your life and just be you. And I love you just the way you are. It was an amazing outcome. I happen to know a lot of parents who, when their child came out to them as transgender, were not surprised and celebrated their child's ability, courage, and willingness to live their life authentically. I also know a lot of parents who started out in a place of fear and denial about what their child was telling them and then pushed back, denying their child the ability to explore what they were feeling in a safe way or express themselves in a way that felt authentic to them. Then over time, through their own education, self-reflection and growth, these same parents shift to an affirming lens and start to celebrate their child and who they are. While it's understandable how parents who spent their entire lives knowing little or nothing about gender expansiveness would struggle to understand and affirm what's happening in their own kiddo, the sad truth is the person who feels the weight of this the most is the kiddo. And the effects of the emotional load have lifelong repercussions, both for the child, but also for the parent-child relationship. You're listening to Camp Wildheart, your guide for raising a transgender child and nurturing an affirming family. I'm your host slash head counselor, Mackenzie Dunham. I'm trained in eight different parenting curricula, all heavily researched and evidence-based. Every single one of these places a huge emphasis on the parent-child relationship as the cornerstone for parenting. When the relationship struggles, so does the respect, the compliance, and the connection. This typically means more relationship challenges, more ruptures, which for the parents means more feeling helpless, powerless, frustrated, and like a failure. For kids, it means feeling more confused, insecure, lonely, and like they don't belong. The parent-child relationship is the most important relationship for children that they will ever have. No pressure, though. There's room for mistakes and repair. I'm so grateful to the mom who's sharing with us today. Shauna is being so brave and courageous by letting us in on some of the struggle that she and her son have gone through after he came out six years ago. In addition to being a mom of a transgender boy, she's also the mother to an adult cisgender man, a stepmother, and a dog mom. Naturally, when Shauna sat down to record the podcast, her dog babies sensed her attention was elsewhere and felt the need to include themselves. So you'll definitely hear from them as well. As a reminder, all stories shared by parents at Camp Wildheart are done so with the full consent of their child, and identifying details are altered to whatever point a family requests in order to feel safe sharing their story. Shauna, where should we start? You want to start from the... From the beginning? From the beginning? <laughs> all the way back? Travel back in time, what, six, seven years ago? Six years ago? Almost seven years, years ago. ago. Yeah, almost, almost seven. seven. Yeah, yeah. When kiddo was 11 and wrote me a letter and handed it to me and ran away for me to read it. And I believe the letter started out with, I'm a lesbian, but then went into, I think I'm trans. Mm. And at 11, I was like, this kid doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, he doesn't, he's just being influenced by everything that's going on in the world and the big bad internet 
And there's no way that he Mm -hmm. at 11 has any idea what that even means. And And so I just the listening purposes, I just want to point out, like, we're yes. using the pronouns that he uses now. Correct. Right. Correct. But, right. But back then, you probably were thinking in a different pronoun. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's hard for me to flip back now. I don't. After I'm, all this time. I'm not, <laughs> not going to ask you to flip back. We'll yeah. just we'll just call it what it is. Right. So at the time, I just thought it was just a phase. and he was being influenced by outside sources and there was really no way this could possibly be real. And so I just kind of brushed it under the rug for a couple years. I was completely uneducated. I didn't know. I've never even heard of trans other than people on the internet. I just hadn't. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't have any idea. I never been around anyone in my life, work or personal. And I just, I was completely uneducated and didn't know that there was places to reach out to ask questions. Yeah. I just thought there's no way my kid even has any clue. This, you know, just way too young. And I want to point out too, you know, Shauna, six years ago, seven years ago, was a very, like the resources were very different six and seven years ago than they are even today, right? Like some of the resources in our, in our community that exist now didn't exist six or seven years ago. Right. So it's there, it was sort of a information desert in some ways. So we went along with the lesbian idea. And just, okay, this is who you are. That's fine. Totally good with that. Doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Love you anyway. Love you just the way you are. But didn't acknowledge the other piece. Um, Was he, was he masculine? Like, did he appear masculine? Um, Okay. So mm -hmm. I've heard other parents say, oh gosh, yes, we totally knew. I had no clue. I thought I had a little tomboy. Yes not masculine, played with the baby dolls, played with the Barbies, did all of that. I don't know if we want to use that or not. You can, you can <laughs> yeah, use I mean, that if you want to. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to embarrass mm-hmm. him, but, um, <laughs> but, but you know, it's the reality. I had no clue even through middle school. I really did not. And it was middle school when he gave me the letter, but I, mm-hmm. I really had no clue. I don't think I was completely oblivious to my child. I think I knew my child pretty well, but I really didn't see the signs that he was more masculine. Now, his dad and I were divorced Mm -hmm. and he was a different child with dad. Mm. So he was camping all the time with dad. He was more rough and tumble with dad. So maybe if I would have been around that more, I might have gotten a little different idea. Maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, he he only had boy cousins and he wanted to be just like them. Right. I, otherwise I really didn't see signs. Did he continue to bring it up after the letter? Not really. Oh my God. Stanley is so loud. (laughs) Stanny, nobody's home but us. Come here. He, I think he thinks Guy's in a room with a door shut, oh. so he's going to sit and <laughs> whine and cry. Go, he's going <laughs> to. Yes. 
<laughs> Come here. He's like, I'm alone. Oh my goodness. Um. Anyway, what were we saying? Um. Let's see here. What were we saying? Uh. I had asked. Oh, he oh, he, he, he didn't he, bring it up again. No, he really didn't talk about it much. It's like it. I brushed it under the rug, so therefore he didn't really bring it up again. Yeah, he didn't really talk about it until a couple of years later. Really, it, it was like thirteen, fourteen. Then it came up again, and I think 14 was freshman year of high school is when we started calling him Skylar and referring to he, him. All of his friends in middle school called him Skylar, and then they hid it from me if they were around. They Mm. wouldn't call him Skylar. So at school, yeah, at school, he changed his name with the school. So the Mm -hmm. school knew. And then I didn't even know he had done that yeah. <laughs> until after the fact. But um, so high school is when we started referring to him as Skylar and he, him. So it took, it took about three years. When he was after, when he gave you the letter, did you talk about the trans piece at all? Or did you just kind of like, oh, okay, I'm good. Then I talk about this. Um. Honestly, looking back, I was pretty hard on him. I basically told him he was wrong mm-hmm. and that he, you know, there was no way he understood that and or felt that way. And that basically he got in trouble. He got the Internet taken away. He didn't have a phone yet, but he got his computer taken away. And because I thought he was being influenced by outside sources and you say he got in trouble but it sounds like you were also in protection mode yes i was i was trying to protect him because i felt like he was bring (laughs) i don't want to say that word he was being i just influenced by the outside and and he felt like he got in trouble he felt like he was told he was wrong. I didn't validate him at all in how he was feeling and just shut it down. Yeah. And how did that, how did that affect your relationship? I think it put a wall in between us big time. We, um, I'm not the best communicator in my life. (laughs) I'm learning a lot. (laughs) I've grown a ton recently, but Mm -hmm. at the time, and the way I was raised too, when things are tough, you don't, you don't talk about them. You just brush them under the rug and then they just go yeah. away and you don't have to worry about them anymore because they're gone. That's right. We don't have yeah. to, out of sight, yeah. out of mind. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why we didn't really talk much about it for years after that. And um, it was probably actually, now that I look back, it was probably just a couple years that we didn't really talk about it because he did start seeing a counselor in the town that we lived in before and when she and I had private discussions about their sessions, because he was younger, I, you know, had asked her, well, what do you think about this? And she was like, Oh, I think it's real. And so I was, I was kind of trying to wrap my head around it, but I still didn't take the steps to educate myself at that time. Yeah. That's really scary. Right. Yes. To hear that. Yes. Very. And not know, not understand and have, 
the idea in my head of what did I do wrong? Yeah. <laughs> Which is, of course, nothing. Of course, nothing. Absolutely. But of in course, that I didn't. Time, right. Like, how I didn't know. To have to like wonder that. Right. And to have to really sit in that fear. Yeah. About, oh my God, did I do this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the uneducated part of it. You know, just not knowing anything about it. Yeah. How did you get to the place where, did you start educating yourself? Like, how did you get to the place where you were able to make the turn and start calling him Skylar? He pushed me. He sent me videos to watch. And they were parents speaking about their trans children, these videos on YouTube. And some of them were children, you know, kids or young adults that were trans that were talking. And um, I didn't, I put them off. I didn't watch them. And I sent them too to scary. me again. Yeah, too scary. Yeah. It still was. And he sent them to me again. And I didn't watch them. <laughs> The third time we were actually on vacation. Yeah, we were actually <laughs> on vacation in Mexico and we had a blow up, a family blow up. And it was basically, you need to recognize me for who I am. It finally was like, oh, shoot, I really need to do this for my kid. My kid's hurting. I'm hurting my child because I am not wrapping my arms around this and understanding and educating and trying to figure this out and supporting my child. It's a big blow up. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So then what happened? What happened so next? You had to come home. Yeah. Then we had to come home and we started this process. And I think after that, he started seeing you. I think he saw Tina Marie first. Yes. Yeah. That was at school. And, um, and then she yeah. made the connection and said, Oh, you should see Mackenzie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Karen. Karen too me. also recommended. Yeah. Well, Karen told me at triple point, uh, you, oh, yeah. he needs to see Mackenzie. They stopped me when I was picking him up and said, uh, it's time mm. and he needs this now. So I said, okay. So for listener context, Karen, another therapist who now is at Wild Heart Society, Karen at that time was facilitating a group that was a free sort of community support group. So it was at the pickup point at one of the end of these groups right. that they approached you and said, it, it's, it's time. Yes. What was it like at that point to have that from, from Karen? It was, it was kind of a wake up call, really. It was kind of like, okay, enough is enough. You need to get your child the help that your child needs. So we did, you know, it, it's, it's still been a struggle. We're still working on all of this, all these years later, but deep breath. Yeah. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but you know, I'm so proud of who this kid is and he's just, He's just an amazing kid. And You're going to make me cry. 
he just is. He just is just this amazing person. He's almost 18 now and he's going to do amazing things in this world. I just know it. You're a thousand percent correct. He's an amazing kid. Yeah. And, um, oh, but it took us a while, you know, and we're still, like I said, a work in progress, but, um, it took him a long, long time to tell the family. Yeah. He was so worried about rejection from our family and it was just really, really scary for him inside the house. We called him Skylar and that if any family came over, we had to switch and call him by his birth name. And that was really hard. (laughs) And um, we screwed up many times and just kind of played it off. (laughs) But, and it worked at the time, but, uh, but it was tough. But when he finally did tell the family, it was just no big deal. It was amazing how well, the family embraced everything and they knew, I mean, they could see as he was evolving and changing. Oh, sure. Right. You know? Yeah. They knew, but he just, well, not my mom. My mom did not, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. Yep. And she was the, she was the one he was worried about the most because they're very close. And he was so worried that she would feel differently about him. And she didn't at all. I mean, we kept saying, you know, you're not giving Nana enough credit, you know, and she, you know, she said, you need to be you, you need to be happy in your life and, you know, just be you, you know, and I love you just the way you are. So yeah, it was, it was an amazing outcome. You, you talked about how, the attempt to sweep it under the rug and ignore it for a few years mm-hmm. really built a wall up. And mm-hmm. I know that you have both been doing a lot of work to try and take that wall down. Mm-hmm. Um, how has your relationship shifted since you started becoming a really affirming parent, which is what I would definitely call you now, a Thank really you. affirming parent. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, it's definitely changed where we can have conversations. It's still hard to -hmm. have the tough conversations, but it's still, I'm not afraid to have those conversations like I was before. Sometimes I don't even get as emotional. (laughs) (laughs) I am kind of an emotional person, but sometimes I can keep it together. But um, definitely we are able to have more serious conversations, not all the time, but they do happen where they didn't happen before. There was very little communication of hard things. It was all surface. Very sort of just light and frilly and fuzzy. Yep. And yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Which and do you prefer? Um, it's still hard to mm-hmm. have the deep hard conversations, but I know the importance of them. And I know the importance of validating his feelings and making sure that he knows that I accept him and believe in him and love him unconditionally. And I'm here to support him a hundred percent. Yeah. It sounds like through this process, you did a lot of growing. Yes, for sure. 
for sure. I didn't tell you I was going to ask you about that. So now I feel like I'm blindsiding you a little bit, but I'm just, if you're willing. Oh, yeah. In what ways do you feel like you had to grow and how did you go about doing that? What sorts of supports did you end up needing to have in place so that you could really come alongside Skylar and, and be the support to him that he needed you to be? Well, first of all, the mom's group that I participated in, I really wish I would have been able to participate in the first one, but I came mm. to the party late. Mm -hmm. um, having that support system of those other moms was huge. And the support I've continued to have with them and the friendships that we all have with each other is huge. Mm -hmm. And then my own counseling. I've been doing a lot <laughs> of counseling. <laughs> a lot. Um, and I just, you know, yeah, learning how to communicate, learning how to be vulnerable is like still my heart, the hardest thing for me. Yeah. And um, I'm working really hard at it. Um, if it were easy, it wouldn't be vulnerability anymore. Right. But literally yeah. by definition, right? Right. So yeah. Yeah. It's going to always be hard. That's okay. You just keep showing up. I would definitely say if your child comes to you and says, this is what I think. I think I might be trans. Start educating yourself. Don't just poo-poo it. Don't think, oh, my child's way too young. Read about it. Maybe ask your friends about it. You know, start to try to educate yourself reach out to community support, find support groups for parents. And really, you know, the education piece, you know, is huge. Yeah, it really is huge. Yeah. Yeah. If you could go back in time and change anything about the process that you and Skylar have had so far, mm -hmm. and just pick one moment. Well, it definitely would have been the, it definitely would have been the first moment. You know, if I would have embraced my child and talked to him, asked him questions, just had a conversation about why he felt that way, it probably would have taught me a lot, probably would have educated me right then. And we could have started the process then. Are there any other pieces of advice you want to give to, to other parents? So it's I heard, like, find a community, find resources, educate yourself. Educate yourself. Um, get your child the support. So get, the chi get your child the support that they need. Reach out and find. So if you, if you reach out and you find the parent support, community support, I'm sure you're going to find resources there for your child's support and make sure that they get the support that they need as well. All right, Shauna. Well, I really appreciate you taking time and telling us about your story and telling us about Skylar, who I just adore. Um, and you've really done a really amazing job with a really amazing young man. Thank you. I appreciate that. Shauna talked not only about her experience navigating her relationship with her son throughout his gender journey, a journey that by no means has come to a close. And part of that journey 
Part of how she ultimately showed up for her son was by advocating for him publicly with family members and with his school. As parents, regardless of our child's gender, we end up advocating for them in some way at some point. As the parent of a transgender child, the advocacy often feels constant. Constantly explaining to people while also not wanting to out your kiddo. Constantly interrupting transphobia, constantly pushing people they love deeply to grow and remain an ally for their child. To help us steer the path of advocacy, I've solicited the help of Jen Burlton. Jen Burlton is considered an authority and nationally recognized leader on issues relating to transgender and gender diverse children and youth. In addition to her role as founder and program director of the Transactive Gender Project at Lewis and Clark Graduate School of Education and Counseling, she has served on the Oregon Health Sciences and University Transgender Program Advisory Committee and the LGBTQ Child Welfare Workgroup for Multnomah County. She was awarded the 2014 Multnomah County Psy Award for Lifetime Commitment to Social Justice. On top of all of this, she's one of the few remaining elders of the trans community and an absolute delight. I continue my mission to make her one of my best friends and a regular here at camp. So I have a question. So I'm confused. So I have a question. But what about? So I got a question. So when parents come to Transactive, as they come to my office as well, and they ask, what do they really need to do in order to support their kid? Like, do I have to use the pronouns? Do I have to use the name? Do I have to take the pictures down? Do I have to do all these different things? And as they're asking about, what do you recommend? How do you help them figure out how to write the playbook for their family? Well, and that's the fine line, isn't it? Because there is no playbook for every family. Mm-hmm right? It's different for every family. And if as an advocate or as a therapist, you start off the relationship with the person that holds the power, which is the caregiver. Mm -hmm. um, I personally think the kids hold a lot of power, but it's kind of all dependent on whether the caregiver or the parent allows that power to be, uh, allows them to be empowered in that power. So the, the first thing that we usually do we completely acknowledge, recognize, and affirm the parents' levels of discomfort, right? Now, mm -hmm. how do you do that and simultaneously knowing what we know about you're going to have a happier kid the sooner you get to yes? We know that. This isn't a mystery. This isn't like, this is no longer a Petri dish for us. It's like, no, it's very well documented. It's very well documented. <laughs> what we do is we try to create an open pathway in which we can lead a discussion or allow for a discuss discussion to go about what is what are your actual concerns? What are your concerns? Is it about, I know there's a lot of what ifs in there. My kid came out to me but hasn't come out to their other parent yet. How do I handle this? Mm -hmm. My kid came out to us, but we don't know how to come out to our parents or their grandparents yet. Mm -hmm. Right? What are your fears about that? What are you afraid will happen? If you tell me, or a member of my team, it's not just me, um, <laughs> if, uh, or, your, or your therapist or counselor, if, if you share with them what your concerns are, and this may require you to give this some thought, you may not have even really identified 
what your actual concerns are. This may all be knee jerk point that we're at right now. Oh my God, I Absolutely. don't know how to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if you will give that some thought, then we can help you process how likely those fears are. Um, there's a lot of misinformation that is wanting to feed into your fears. Oh my God, if I affirm that my trans, that my child is trans, won't they be killed next week? Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to be really blunt, but parents are like, I hear the trans people are killed all the time. Mm-hmm. So why would I want that for my child? I heard the trans kids um, take their own lives all mm-hmm. the time. Why would I want that for my child? I can't be part of that process. If you will share with us and really identify what you're feeling, even if you're not 100% sure of it, because this is a process, we will begin to have conversations with you about the what ifs of not supporting your child. Because in order to make an informed decision about how you're going to move forward, you have to know as much as you can. And even knowing that will not bring you to the point at which this just feels natural to you. Yeah. So you're going to have to do some work. You spent, and most people don't think about this, but you and your family and to some extent your neighbors and to some extent your entire social circle spent roughly six months fully investing in the gender identity of your child before you actually even physically met them. Right. Right. By the time their little feet were actually independent of mama's body, you and most people already were complete. You'd given them a name that was gender specific. Maybe it was gender neutral at best. You'd invested in paint colors and you'd invested in, oh, these are the kind of toys they're going to like. And these are probably the kind of careers they're going to want to do. And you got everybody on that team. And now you're facing the fact that, okay, (laughs) my... My kid seems to have their own uh, input on their identity here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's hard to adapt to. It's hard to adapt to. So let's talk through it. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce you to other parents that have gone through the same stages you're going through right now, who started mm-hmm. off with like, no way I can ever accept this. No way I'll ever get the pronouns right. I'll never get the mm-hmm. pronouns right. I'll never get used to that different name. And to where they're at today, which is I can't imagine them as any other gender that doesn't mean that your sense of loss of the child you thought you knew um, isn't valid and isn't authentic and doesn't need to be processed but it does mean that your child's life is moving forward in in creating and making and establishing their identity they're moving forward in that most of what you're going to be dealing with is what is past and you have to figure out a good place to put that past where it's treasured and valued and um, loved for what it was. But you've got to find a way to get on the forward moving train with your child. And that's kind of where we begin. I feel like I've had those conversations so many times with families and really trying to make sure that people know. And I think I, in fact, I think I literally said this today to a family. Um, Kids go through something very different than what parents go through. And What the parent goes through is valid and important and they need to work through it and not put it on their kid. And Mm -hmm. they still need to find a way to show up for their kid 
mm-hmm. and love their kid and support their kid and affirm their kid. Because like you said, the sooner they can get to that place, the sooner you're going to have a happy kid. Right. And, and the other part of that is um, what I've called for a long time, what I called it. Um, when I started doing this work, my goal was to create processes or do education that encouraged people to develop their own processes that would respond to gender diverse and transgender, gen- transgender kids' needs on what I call kid time. For you as a parent to say, well, honey, let's think about this for a year. Or let's think about this for six months, you know, and I'll take that time to process it and we'll see how we feel about it. Well, if you're 25, 35, 40 years old, that doesn't seem like a very long time to you. If you're six or nine or 10, not only is it a much longer chunk of your life, but here is what the child hears. And I say this because I was this child and these things were said to me. And I'm saying this objectively. I'm not saying this is like, oh, I'm I'm processing my stuff. No, this is what it feels like. And kids that I've talked to over the years have said, oh my God, that's exactly what it felt like. And nobody ever said, but here's what it feels like. Dear, I understand that this is a lot to take in and everything. Why don't we table it for the summer and we'll talk, or let's let's table it uh, because it's February. Now let's wait till summer and we'll talk about this again. And if you're the child, Here's what you hear. This isn't important enough for to you for us to deal with now. You're not fully grasping how important this is to me. And saying let's wait till summer is one step away from just saying, well, let's wait till Christmas. Well, let's wait till next summer. It is not a useful thing to do to tell a child who is in various stages of trauma about disconnects between their gender identity and expression and there's their social assigned social gender role, putting it off for putting off addressing it for any amount of time um, feels like dismissal. Yeah, it feels like dismissal. So you're not operating on adult time with kids traumas. And this is things beyond gender identity. You're operating on kid time, right? If your yeah. kiddo has anxiety about, um, let's say it's a trans boy, your kiddo identifies as a boy assigned female at birth, AFAB as we call it, mm-hmm. um, and your kiddo comes to you at age 10 and says, um, Dad, I am terrified of growing boobs and getting a period. It makes me want to hurt myself. Mm-hmm. Right? And your answer is, well, let's see once it happens. Let's wait and see once it actually happens, because maybe you'll find out that you like it because you're maturing as a, as a young lady, and maybe you'll like it. Mm-hmm. That is a predictable formula for suicidal ideation, for an escalation of suicidal ideation in your kiddo. Not every kid will do that, but this stress of going through a puberty that doesn't match your gender identity, and especially, I think, I think it's worse for kids now than it was when I was a kid. When I was a kid, pubertal suppression wasn't a medical possibility. It was... It wasn't something that could be done. So it was never on the table for me. There was never any awareness that, mm-hmm. well, there's just a person standing between me and getting that. There was just like, well, that's, it's just not a thing. I don't live on Mars and I'm, and I can't stop my puberty. Okay. I'll cope. But I think today it's even worse in the sense because kids learn about this on the internet and from their friends. If you're not ready to deal with whatever the, the foremost emotional trauma or challenge that your kid is facing 
at the time at which they bring it up or at the time at which it manifests itself by behavior or whatever, circumstantially, the odds of them going to self-harming and destructive behavior mode as a result of this is exponential. That's a hard truth, but it's a, that doesn't change that it's a truth. You've talked a lot about sort of like the most detrimental outcome of a parent not being affirming. I wonder if you have any information that you can share with listeners about ways that they can avoid really damaging their relationship. Mm -hmm. Say like when their kid, if their kid comes out in the late teens and, you know, um, or if they're luckily don't commit suicide, but maybe they said when you're 18, when you're 18, when you're 18, how do they avoid really breaking that relationship? How do you advocate for kids in that? The first thing is we go back to what we just said. Listen to your kid. Coming out, and, and whatever that means, coming out as believing in a faith that doesn't correspond with your family's traditional faith, coming out, voting for a different political party, you know, even if you're 10, mommy, I don't know, Joe Biden just seems like a nicer man than, than Donald Trump. Well, we vote for Trump around here. Um, that's a form of coming out, right? Coming out as, as gay or queer or coming out as trans is one of the most difficult things for anybody to do. And it's doubly difficult for young people because they're keenly aware of the fact that the very food on their table, the very roof over their head, their very physical safety, depending on what your family dynamic is like, their yeah. physical safety is completely dependent on keeping you happy. And yeah, kids don't do that all the time. Kids do plenty of things that don't make their parents happy. Yeah. But kids are also smart enough, and trust me when I say this, kids are nothing but antennas. They're, they're, <laughs> all the other bodily organs for kids don't really matter. They are antennas as to, is what's happening now about me? How could it be about me? Or is it too much about me? <sighs> oh my God, this is too much about me. Um, that's all. They're just little receiving units with giant antennas. They know the reason coming out is hard is because at a very early age, they learned that the expectation is that they're going to conform to what everybody else thinks they are. That's how you do it. That's how you earn parent favor. When they say, who's daddy's little boy? You say, I am. I am. Mm -hmm. Who's mama's little princess? I am. I am. That's the script. Mm -hmm. That's the script. I have to stick with the script. Except... I don't like the script. <laughs> this isn't my script. It's somebody else's script. The script hurts my heart. Right. So how do you avoid making, creating distance? Listen to them. Take what they say extremely seriously because it's extremely seriously to them. Don't for a moment think that a little your daughter who comes out and says, mommy, I really identify as a boy, or I think I identify as a boy and a girl at the same time. Or I yeah. think whatever the blend is to them, don't suddenly hear it in the same way that you hear, tomorrow I'm going to be a kitty cat, and the day after that I'm going to be a parakeet. Do not conflate those things. The other two things are make-believe. The third one is voicing a very conscious and, and aware sense of that they are transgressing something that adults 
don't really want to hear. And they're hoping that all the times you've told them, mommy or daddy will love you no matter what. You'll always be our baby. Um, the only thing that matters to us is you. You've said it, parents. We all say it. That's the mantra of what we tell our kids until they tell us something we don't want to hear. So we need to listen. Second thing is realize that at the moment that happens, you have a new job. You have to educate yourself about what they just told you. They're not going to say, hi, mom, dad, could you sit down for a minute? I have something I'd like to discuss with you. You know, I've been doing a lot of independent research um, <laughs> about gender diversity and gender identity, and I've really analyzed all of the factors that have impacted my life up to this point in time. And I do believe that, um, at least according to the DSM, um, mm -hmm. I, you know, they're not going to say, mommy, daddy, I'm really sad. I'm really sad because I don't feel like a boy or I don't feel like a girl. And I've felt this way for a really long time. Yeah, but I really just need to tell you now. Right? And to an adult, that just sounds like, to some adults, that sounds like whining. Mm -hmm. Ah, you'll feel better in the morning. Forget it. Go to sleep now. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. And, and realize it is not your job to walk that path alone. Right? So yeah. you, you have to learn some stuff. But you have to find your spirit guide. <laughs> you have yeah. to find, right? Whether the, it could be any number of different people. And then, so as not to damage the relationship, if they tell you that they don't want, that they have a different name that they would like to be called, guess what? That's their choice. They're an independent human being that can make decisions about what the sound of words that come through their ears is and whether or not those words speak to them or whether or not those words don't. And they don't care whether it was your great-grandmother's name and it has a wonderful meaning to you. or uh, That's a wonderful story to share and you can share it with them. But create a new memory. Mm -hmm. Create the memory of you talking to your child about well, what name is, is the name that they like. Right? And if they say, I don't like it when you call me a girl, call me a boy, or vice versa, or I don't like it when you call me a boy or a girl, I'm a they, because uh, I feel like a boy or a girl mixed, whatever, whatever it is, recognize that this is an opportunity to learn with your child about who they are, instead of trying to tell them who they are, mm -hmm. right? And if you do those things, that doesn't mean you can't continue to be um a disciplinarian with them when necessary. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that if they're hanging out with a quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes now on, on a podcast. Um, <laughs> I've done it before. Bad influences that you can't have an opinion about that. Yes. When they go through their teens, they're going to hate you for a while. That's their job. They're teenagers. Take their wishes seriously and look for the tools that your spirit guide, your mentor, your advisor can give you for how to adapt to those things. There's a, there's a thing called the oops, ouch exercise that was mm -hmm. brought to our attention by parents um, several years ago. Um, and we just thought it was so brilliant. We've been teaching it in our workshops and, and professional development ever since. And it has to do with either using somebody's birth name as opposed to their chosen name. Some people refer to that as a dead name. I'm not particularly yeah. fond of the word dead name, but just to put the li lingo out there or if they misgender someone's pronouns. It's the oops and ouch. And you negotiate this with the person first and say, look, I hear you. I'm going to try it as hard as I can until it becomes natural for me to use your chosen name. 
but I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes because I've known you for a really long time and I have an internal reflex to use a different name or a different pronoun. So here's what we're going to do. When I say it, when I misname you or misgender you, when I'm aware that I just did it, I hear myself saying it and I have that thought of, oh, instead of making a big, you know, Shakespeare in the Park scene out of it, I'm just going to say, oops. And then you're going to know that I was aware that I misgendered or misnamed you and I'll do better next time. If I'm not aware, if I don't hear myself saying that and I'm not aware, but you hear me do it, then you can say, ouch. And I'll know what that means. I'll know that that means I misgendered you or misnamed you. And then we can just move on without mm-hmm. kind of turning it into a family scene all the time. Little things like that will help you show your child that you have mechanisms in place for adapting and it'll help you evolve. My hope, as always, is that you'll be inspired by Shauna's story and empowered by Jen's guidance. No matter how you started this journey with your child, you can always find the leverage and resources to close the gaps and fill and patch the holes of your ship as you continue on. If you need any additional support for yourself or your child, please reach out. Camp Wildheart and our community of listeners are here to support you through this journey. So if there's anything we can do, please let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram as Wildheart Society. And you can send us an email at camp at wildheartsociety.org. Camp Wildheart is part of Wildheart Society, an organization dedicated to affirming and relational mental health care. Find an affirming therapist today at wildheartsociety.org. Thanks again to Shauna for sharing her story and Jen for sharing her expertise. To learn more about the work Jen is doing or to get connected to a professional advocate dedicated to supporting trans youth, check out the Transactive Gender Project at Lewis and Clark College at graduate.lclark.edu slash programs slash continuing underscore education slash transactive. We'll put a link to it and the other resources Jen mentioned in our show notes. Thanks again for joining us for camp. Be sure to subscribe for free to the podcast so you don't miss any future campfires and give us a rating or a review. Rating the podcast helps other people find us and we want to make sure that anyone who needs one or wants one knows that there's a bunk for them at Camp Wildheart. Heart.